Welcome to Harvest Hill. If you came in after the welcome, I'm Pastor Mike. Most of you are probably aware of that by now. Um, but if not, uh, that's me. Uh, you can call me Mike, though. Pastor Mike's not like my birth name or anything like that. So um, we, are, we are in this series, Remain in Love, and um, we are nearing the end of this series. We have this week and next week, and we'll wrap it up. And it, it has been encouraging to me to hear how God's been using this series to speak to His people and just the challenges, sometimes just the refreshments uh, that they've needed in their hearts and their soul, and just what God has been using this for. And, and so thank you for sharing that with me, and, and I'd love to hear the testimonies of what God has been doing. Last week, we, we really tried to keep it simple. Um, and, and getting back to the basics of the gospel and what we've placed our faith in because sometimes we can get in Scripture and, and just get so overwhelmed with the complexities of everything in there. And I mean, you mentioned Revelation and just the complexities of that and trying to understand it all when the reality is what we just need to go back to is our first love. When we fell in love and became fully aware of a God who loves us and what He did, that we could be in a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ and, and just going back to where we started from. And so my, my encouragement to you is whatever's going on in your life, whether it's good or bad, never forget that first love. Never forget when you came fully aware of God's love for you and, and just make that your prayer that God will re- return the joy of His salvation into your hearts, because I think that's so much what churches need today, is to, to stop worrying about all the, the mechanics of ministry and the ins and outs, but just to fall in love with God. Just, just fall in love with Him. And, and so I hope this is helping us do this. Um, this morning, we're, we're going to... Last week was simple. <laughs> this morning, we're really going to kind of step up our game, and we're going to be dealing with a doctrinal message based upon the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible with you, turn to 1 John chapter 2. A lot of this series has come out of the, the writings of John. 1 John chapter 2, and we will be drawing from two verses there, uh, verses 26 and 27. And the Word of the Lord says, I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you received from Him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, just as has taught you remain in Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you again for allowing us to come into your presence. Thank you again for being an awesome God that whatever's going on in our lives, it has not surprised you. It has not overwhelmed you. Lord, though we may be coming to your presence right now just feeling a sense of being overwhelmed, a sense of fear, a sense of worry. Lord, I ask in this time and this place as we open up your scriptures that it is your spirit, this anointing that is upon your children that speaks to our hearts. Lord, I praise You, God, that You are a God who knows every individual here. You know what's on their hearts. You know what's on their minds. You know whether they're in a good place or a bad place. Lord, You know it all. There's nothing hidden from Your sight. And so, Lord, get me out of the way because what needs to happen here is something that only You can do in the power of Your Spirit. Lord, I do pray that You give us a willing heart, a willing mind, that our ears would hear, our eyes would see, that we would respond to what you place upon our lives this morning. 
Lord, ultimately you would be the one who receives the glory here today. Thank you for everyone here. Thank you for what you're doing at Harvest Hill. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and our families. And Lord, as we come, we just ask that we hear your voice and your voice alone. So let your will be done in our lives. Let your kingdom come in this place and let your spirit just fall upon us. Forgive us if we failed you and we have not been worshiping you the way you command us to. If we have not been loving you the way you command us to. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Be with us in this time and help us to love you with our mind. And pray us all in your son's name. Amen. The, the focus verse for our, our series comes out of the Gospel of John and the reason why we've been staying in, in this idea of remaining in love where Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 4 through 5 that you remain in me and I in you and just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches and the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing Without me. And so, this idea of remaining this morning is going to change our focus to remaining in the Spirit and remaining in this anointing that God has given us. You know, when I was a kid, I remember wanting to be a superhero. And maybe you remember that too, or maybe you got a kid right now, a little boy or a girl in your house that just runs through the hallways with their arms out, goes, Am I the only one? I used to want to be a superhero, whether it was Superman at one point in time. One time it was Spider-Man, but I got in trouble being Spider-Man from my dad, so I went back to Superman because I was at church. I remember I was climbing, like I got my legs in the doorpost. I couldn't do it today, but I just kind of climbed up the wall and I go, Spider-Man, and my dad said, get down, it's the house of God. And so um, Spider-Man was done, but then I got introduced to the world of Star Wars, and I got introduced to Jedis, and I thought, man, that's awesome. You don't have to wear tights, and you just, you got powers, and you can move your hands, and you can make people do what you want them to do, and you can, you know, move doors. And so when Ethan was little, about three or four years old, I actually had him convinced that I was a Jedi. True story. We would go to a store, and they would have the automatic doors, and so I would get to a place, and I would just go, Doors are open, or depending on the door, I'd just push it, and it would open. And the first time he saw that, he's like, oh, I mean, like, Daddy's awesome. He's got powers, and he's like, can I, can I, can I try, cry? Yeah, come on. I said, oh, sure, sure, sure. So he gets up, and he does the same thing that I just did, but the doors didn't open because he wasn't, like, in range of the radar. And so I said, ah, oh, well, the force is not strong with you yet, but you'll get there. <laughs> uh, and, and so it was so... It, it was just that moment where like, it seemed like I had this power to be able to do things. And I think all of us as God's people, we want to be productive. We want to be productive for the kingdom. We want to be where God wants us to be. We want to be doing the right things. I think the spirit inside of us, if we're a believer, the spirit gives us those desires. that we, we want to make an eternal impact. And sometimes we get distracted by things in life. But God says in his word about this divine power that we've been given, that it has been given to us in, for everything that is required for life and godliness. That through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness, that God has given us this power inside of us. It's not some fictional Jedi power or superhero power. It doesn't require tights or cape or a fake sword or, or some sort of cloak. That power is inside of us. This is the anointing to which John speaks of here in 1 John chapter 2. He says, you have anointing 
that you received from him that remains in you, meaning it cannot be taken out of you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it is taught you, remain in him. This anointing that God has given us has given us the discernment to understand what is truth and what is a lie, what is of God and what is not of God. And so maybe you've had those feelings inside. Some people say, well, that's just your conscience. But if you're a child of God, God has put something inside of you to be able to decipher the things of this world from what are of God and what are not of God. And it remains on you. It's anointing. That language comes from the Old Testament when someone would be anointed to be the the role that God has placed them as a king. Sometimes prophets were anointed, but kings specifically, that God set them apart to rule and to govern his people. Here in Scripture, we're told that God places his anointing now on his people. That God has now set us apart as his people for a very specific role and very specific task. But the thing is, when I've grown up in a Baptist church, there are very few messages and very few Bible stories that I heard growing up in a Baptist church about the Holy Spirit. I heard about the falling of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost. I've, I've, I've heard about the fruit of the Spirit. It wasn't until I got to college and you know, I was age of 20, I actually heard there was a thing called a spiritual gift test. And that kind of, whoa, blew my mind because, man, we're going Pentecostal now, right? But the thing about the Spirit, I think a lot of people... If you're like me, just don't understand what the Spirit is doing and who the Spirit is. I think a lot of people would argue, you know, if I just had Jesus here, you know, if Jesus just showed up and I could see his teachings and see his miracles and he just spoke God's word into my life, then I would get things a lot better, get things a lot easier. I'd understand it more. But Jesus told his disciples that it was to their advantage that he was going away so that the Spirit would come. It was to their benefit that he was going away so that the Spirit would come. Now, if we just place, I think we wrestle with that. I wrestle with that. I mean, if you're a parent, can you imagine a storm coming? How many of y'all are still scared of storms? Not, this isn't confession time, but, you know, storms come. I mean, if you hear that bolt of uh, lightning or see that bolt of lightning and that thunder that just rattles the house, I mean, if your heart doesn't leap at that moment in time, then, you know, you check yourself. Um, but storms. I mean, can you imagine when you were a kid being scared of a storm coming in and you cried out, if, if when I was a kid, the storm came, cover went over my head, and I go, Bobby, Bobby. And, you know, can you imagine if your child yelled out to you in the middle of a storm or when they were scared or when they were hurting, and your response was, it is to your advantage, I do not come. <laughs> yeah, you're going to use that. <laughs> but see, this is, the, this is the image that struggles with, with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples, look, I am going away. I'm no longer physically going to be with you. But here's the thing. It is to your advantage that I go. It is to your benefit that I go and no longer physically with you so the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, can come upon you. And that is huge. Because that means this Spirit that is coming upon us is better for us than having physically Jesus in our presence at this moment in time. And so Jesus is preparing his disciples that it, it is to your advantage. And how does that work out? Well, in Scripture... There were, in the Gospels, when Jesus was on the face of the planet, there was only one individual on this planet that had the Spirit of God upon them. And that was Jesus Christ. 
But when Jesus left and you turn to the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit comes upon the followers of Jesus Christ, now there's not just one individual on the face of this planet with the Spirit upon them. Now there are multiple. And if you read through the book of Acts, those multiple led to thousands. Those thousands now lead to millions. And so there are millions of people upon this planet right now and in this room that have the power of God the power that moved the mountains, that walked on water, that raised the dead, that healed, that power inside of them. And that's why it's to our advantage. We have the ability and the power within us to glorify the kingdom of God the same way Jesus Christ did. That's what it means to be anointed. But if you're like me, I I don't, I still don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit. It's still this odd idea and this odd doctrine that I just wasn't taught that much about. So anybody know when the first time we were introduced to the Spirit of God? Genesis. Yeah, go there real quick. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 1 says, In began, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Do you see that at the end of verse 2? The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, just so we know that that is the same Holy Spirit and the same anointing that John is referring to, if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, and you see when Jesus was baptized, when he came out of the water, John, guess what he saw? The Spirit of God descending like a dove. It was not a dove. Okay, Spirit is not a flapping dove. Like a dove. Make sure you always read those likes. There was tongues like fire, (laughs) or like fire, tongues of fire, not like literal lapping tongues on their head. But the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus. The same Spirit we find in the very beginning is the same Spirit that fell upon Jesus is the same Spirit that fell upon the believers at Pentecost. Why is this important? Because we need to understand who the Spirit is. The Spirit is God. It's what we call the Trinity. Now, here's the thing. If you looked up Trinity in some sort of Bible keyword, you're not going to find the word Trinity in the Bible. The Trinity is a man-made word to define the the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But ultimately, the the doctrine of Trinity and Dr. Spirit is that they are one. We see the Spirit of God working with God in creation. We see the Spirit of God working with Jesus in bringing God's mission to the earth of salvation. We see the Spirit of God continuing to work today in the life of believers, in the life of of the church. But the Trinity says that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all the same God. They're all equal. They all just work in different ways. Now, it's kind of hard to grasp, but the easiest way I've been able to do it, and Jason, I believe, did this a couple weeks ago with the youth, is that my name is Pastor Mike, maybe to you. Some of you all may refer me to Brother Mike. I've yet to have a reverend here. I had a reverend back at my last church, and I didn't know what to do with that. But, so Pastor Mike, do you know me as Pastor Mike? You're, you're preacher, you're pastor, whatever. Jamie does not call me Pastor Mike. She does not come home, and I do not pick her up from school, and she doesn't go, hey, Pastor Mike. Ethan does not call me Pastor Mike. They call me Daddy. They call me Husband. They call me Best Thing Ever, right? (laughs) Okay, but I'm still Pastor Mike, right? 
even though I have that identity. And to my friends um, from my past, they don't know me as Pastor Mike. They don't know me as Mr. Hurchin or Father of Ethan and Abby. They know me as Mi Amigo. I mean, they, that's how they know me. So I have three identities, but I'm still the same person. I just have three different relationships dealing with different sorts of people. Now, God has the same identity, and His relationship is manifested in different ways. You have God the Father, creator of the heavens and the earth. You have God the Son, who came to save all that which was lost. You have God the Spirit, who is interceding and working through God's people. All the same God. So here's the beauty of this. This anointing we have means we have God in us. Now, just sit on that for a moment. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple indwells inside of us. It lives inside of us. It remains in us. So the God who created the heavens and the earth lives inside you. The God who took the sins of the world and came out of the grave lives inside you. So this was the the motivation and this was the power the early believers understood that there is nothing impossible with God because of what God has given us. Nothing can hold us back because nothing can stop God. And the Bible tells us in dealing with this anointing and dealing with this spirit that it is to our benefit, but part of it being to our benefit, we have to understand what the Holy Spirit is. If you look in the book of Acts and you see the Holy Spirit coming upon the first believers and moving, you see thousands upon thousands. You see foundations shaking, prison cells shaking. You see people walking out like in a vision thinking they were just dreaming Because the Spirit of God was moving in power. So what in the world has happened to this power? One of my favorite writers and preachers from the past, his name is A.W. Tozer. He wrote this. He says, we have imitated the world. We've sought popular favor. We've manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord. And we've produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. Meaning we've done all the stuff we think we should do, but the one thing we're forgetting to do is to plug into the power of the Spirit and dwelling inside of us. You know, we can so easily go through the motions in our walk with God, in our, in our, in our ministries of the church, and even doing Sunday morning. But if we fail to plug into the power of the Spirit and fail to allow the Spirit of God to be unleashed, we failed completely. And there was no power. There was no changing power. There's no conviction, no transformation. Spirit is God, one with God. It's this anointing upon. It's to our advantage that it's here. Turn with me in Ephesians chapter 1. The Spirit is also the seal of our salvation. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the seal of our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It says, But now in Christ Jesus you were far... Wrong chapter, sorry. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you also believed... This is what we talked about last week, what you learned from the beginning... You were sealed in Him with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance and to the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. Paul would write something similar in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. 
He says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, means there's intimacy with this spirit inside of us. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. So the spirit of God is the seal of our salvation and it's the testimony that we belong to God. Think of it like your jersey. When you come before God in in the picture of Revelation, we're all going to stand before God. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. When we stand before God, God's going to see what jersey we have put on in this life. He's going to see what team we've been playing for, either that we are a child of God or we've been in an enemy of God, either that we are still in our sins or we have been fully redeemed and reconciled to God, either we are lost or we are found. That's what God is going to see. Now, I believe God's jersey is going to be red. And I believe because it's going to be red with the blood of Christ and it's going to be gold and it's going to be like the streets of gold and the light of the world. It's going to have a KC right in the middle. For the kingdom of Christ. <laughs> but all, all, I mean, but God has placed this on us as our identity, that I now belong to God. He has adopted me despite all of my sin, despite all of my shame. God has adopted me and cleared me of that, and he has reclothed me. He has redressed me in the righteousness of Christ. And this is the down payment of our eternal salvation that cannot be taken away. It does not fade. It does not spoil. That's how much God has invested in you and me. And that's what he sees. God says that he puts his deposit in our life and he dwells and makes us his temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 6, 19. The Bible tells us that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God's, that spirit is indwelling inside of us. And it's this image in the Old Testament where the temple was a place where God was believed to dwell. And that's where the people go to seek sacrifices and reconciliation, be righteous before God. But now in this new covenant under Jesus Christ, who fulfilled all the covenants of the Old Testament, all the law, all the prophecy, now by our faith in him, we are now the moving temple. We are a walking worship service. We are a walking, living sacrifice before God. That's how much he's invested in us. That I, don't, I don't need to go to church to worship. My life is now a life of worship because I have the spirit of God dwelling inside of me. Stay in Romans chapter 8, look in verse 26 and 27. We see that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our weaknesses, in our speech, in our guidance. Verse 26 of chapter 8, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not, we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What that means is sometimes our prayers, we talked about this last week, not understanding the will of God, but if I have the spirit of God and I'm seeking God and I'm listening to God and being still before God and that spirit is inside me, it is guiding me to pray the prayers of God before him, to pray the will of God. Sometimes I think we rush in our prayers and we don't allow the spirit to get a word in. Sometimes we just got to be still and allow the spirit to intercede for us the Spirit and God know what we need and what we're going through. And those groanings and yearnings, that, that, that's a sign of, of stress and a sign of, 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 of hurt. You're groaning. But the Spirit intercedes and gives us guidance. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, in verse 11, 
Jesus says, so when they arrest you and that would come at the hands of persecution and they hand you over, don't worry beforehand what you will say, but, you, but say whatever is given to you at that time for it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. See, when we feel overwhelmed, we feel persecuted, and we feel like things just are not going the way we think we should go, the answer is to submit to the Spirit. It's not try to figure it out on our own. It's not try to, you know, come up with our to-do list of how to get out of this mess. It's to submit to the Spirit of God and dwelling inside of us who has given us all things pertaining to godliness. I think a lot of times we get in the messes we get in is because we see the, the mess and we try to fix it instead of submitting and allowing the Spirit of God to work through us. And so that little hole we started with becomes a huge one. The Bible says that the Spirit wants to give us strength in those weaknesses. It wants to guide us. It wants to guide our speech. But it also tells us the Spirit of God empowers us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told his believers, the, the disciples, not to leave Jerusalem until the Spirit comes, and they are empowered with the Spirit. Sticking in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, Paul writes in verse 2, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of, of sin and death, meaning by the Spirit of God inside us, we are now free and we are empowered to do this mission and this task that God has given us. We're no longer bound by the law because we've been found in grace and justified by our faith in Christ. And we've been given this anointing that empowers us to do what God wants us to do. We also see that it is the Holy Spirit that produces the life and the freedom freedom and fruit which we're commanded to that Jesus says you are to bear fruit according to my name and you remain attached to me sticking in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 the word of the Lord says that and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you in 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 it says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are, that you are holy. So this is what we're supposed to be putting off. We're supposed to be putting off the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And the way we do that is when the Spirit comes inside of us in that anointing, it gives us the ability to produce gifts of the Spirit. And this is what makes us a working church. So you're a believer in Christ. God has put his deposit in you. His spirit in you to do the work of the church, the work of the kingdom of God. I mean, there's not a one person in you who is a child of God who is genuinely saved that is meant to just sit in a seat. You have a gift that no one else has. You have an ability no one else has in this body so we can function as a healthy body. And God has entrusted you and me with that. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a teacher, but there's several other things to be involved in this church that the Spirit of God is longing to use you in. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God also is to convict us. Turn with me to John chapter 16 real quick. John chapter 16, beginning in verse 8. Jumping back in the upper room discussion where Jesus is preparing His disciples for when He's leaving he says, when he comes, and he's speaking about the Holy Spirit and the Counselor, he says, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
about sin because they do not believe in me, and about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. When I read this passage, it is a humbling thing for me, and I hope it becomes a humbling thing for you. Too many times, you know, I can get through the motions, you know, if I just have the right jokes or the right stories, or if I just say that with the right tone of voice, do that thing or whatever, then maybe, maybe, maybe conviction will happen. Maybe the altar will be flooded. Maybe people will come to Christ. But here's the reality. I can pound. I can yell. I can do this. I can, I can move all around this platform. But it is the Spirit of God that convicts. And so how that brings me to humbling is that I have to be completely reliant upon God to do what only God can do. And so if this altar isn't flooded, as long as I'm following God's lead, and as long as I'm letting the Spirit do what the Spirit wants to do, then I don't get to decide what happens here. You may be wrestling with what the Spirit has placed upon your heart all this week. But it is the Spirit of God who convicts. And how this is humbling but also freeing is that means when I share my faith, it is not about me having the right three, four, five, six-step plan to salvation. It is not about me having all the scriptures of the Roman road so they can understand how lost they are and how much they need Jesus. It is not about me carrying a Bible and pounding it. It is about the Holy Spirit working through me to lead someone to conviction, which leads them to repentance, which leads them to salvation. So in other words, if we want to see the Spirit of God drop in our lives and the Spirit of God drop in Harvest Hill, here's what we need to do. Get out of the way. Get out of the way and let Him have control. I think sometimes, again, we get into this routine and we know how things are going to happen and what's going to happen and, and, and we leave no room for the Spirit to do what the Spirit wants to do in our life, in our family's life, in the life of this church. But as I read through Scripture, I've come to understand this. Without the Holy Spirit involved in all that we do, then all that we do is futile. It's worthless. Because without the Spirit, I cannot grow closer to God. Without the Spirit, I cannot love others as I am commanded to do. I may be able to do all the stuff, but it will only be stuff. Without the Spirit, my worship and our worship, our Bible studies, our small groups, our preaching, it's all fluff. Without the Holy Spirit, we'll never be fully in love with God. We may flirt with Him. We may have a crush on Him every now and then. We may think He's a swell guy but we will not be in love with the way in which He wants us to fall in love with Him without the Spirit. And without the Spirit, we will never change into the people or the church that God needs us to be in 2017. So it's not about us. It's not about who the preacher is or the pastor is. It's not about how cool the worship band is. And you all are pretty cool, by the way. It's about are we allowing the Spirit to take control? Are we allowing this anointing in us to come out and be fully unleashed? And I believe if God's people 
who are called by his name would humble themselves and seek his face and allow him to take control and the spirit to come out of their life, then God would shake the foundations of this church, the foundations of this community. He created the heavens and the earth. He walked out of the grave like it was nothing. He's inside you and me. So how do we realistically do this? You can talk a big game, but how can we actually do this? How can we put it into, into application? Prayer. The danger is putting an application as I start giving you a list of, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. No. We need to submit. We need to let go and let the Spirit do what the Spirit can only do. And to do that, we have to go to God in prayer and complete reliance upon who God is and complete wonder of who He is and what He wants to do. And so the application day is pray for your family. Pray for your kids by name. If you've got young kids like me, pray for your kids' future spouses if that's what God wants in their life. You don't have to get married, Ethan, don't worry. You just can't live with us your whole life. But pray for your kids. Pray for their schools. Pray for their friends. Pray for the people that are pouring into your kids' lives and your students. Pray for the relationships they have. Pray for their teachers. Pray for those things. Groan for those things. Allow the Spirit to reveal what's going on in those lives that you can, you can cover and saturate those in prayer. Pray for your spouse. Pray for what's going on in their life because I guarantee you Satan is after their heart. Satan is trying to pull them away from you and to pull them away from God, so pray for them. Pray for your immediate family. Please, please pray for me. Man, I need your prayers. I need prayers of protection. I need prayers of strength. I need prayers of perseverance. Please pray for me. Pray for Jason. Man, we love students, but man, y'all can be frustrating sometimes. That's why we play dodgeballs, not for your benefits, for ours. <laughs> pray for Jason. Pray for these things that we announced that are coming up on ministries. We don't want to just put them on a calendar to do them. We want the Spirit of God to be unleashed through them. I don't want to do trunk or treat just to give sugar to kids. I want to do trunk or treat that God's glory is revealed, that the Spirit is in that place. When we say, hey, happy Halloween, or, you know, God loves you, that God's Spirit is coming out of that little simple gesture. Pray for the bonfire. I know it's just us gathering around a fire and eating food like good Southern Baptists do, but the Spirit of God would drop upon that place. And, when, and if, if there are visitors, there are people there, if there are people just kind of checking Harvest Hill out or checking Christianity out, they would see the love we have for one another and know that we belong to God. That's the Spirit of God working in us. Pray for the Crowder concert coming up. Pray for the, the Verge weekend, or Converge, Verge, Converge, one of the two. It's either with Verge or not with Verge, if we're doing Spanish. But pray for that weekend. Pray for the activities going on. We don't want to just, you know, yeah, I look forward to kicking my kid out for the weekend, and that's nice, but I want God to come upon his heart. I want God to come upon our students' heart. They are in the biggest mission field in America right now. Pray for them. Pray for our teachers that are in the schools as they're being alive, but they're sometimes restricted on what they can or can't say. Pray for them. Pray for your worship leader. 
Pray for your worship team. Pray for the things going on in their life. I guarantee you there's sometimes they get up here to lead worship and their heart has been so damaged by the things going on in the week that they need your prayers to cover them and to protect them. We don't want to just go through the motions of this. Pray for Fofty. Pray that God will reveal the right families that we need to minister to and reach out and to feed and to clothe. That we're not just picking things out of a hat. That it's, it's God-driven. That His Spirit will come upon those things. Pray for Christmas services. Pray for Easter services. Pray for our deacons and our elders and our Bible studies and our small groups. What I'm saying is there's not a lack of things to pray for. This is our application. God, we don't just want to do church. We don't want to just do worship. We don't want to just take up an offering. We don't want to just do a Christmas service or do a, a weekend retreat with the youth. We don't want to just go to a women's conference. Lord, we want your spirit to fall. Because when your spirit falls, things start shaking. And power starts moving and lives start changing. So that's my challenge to you as a brother and sister in Christ. My challenge to myself to pray for one another. Allow Spirit of God to just come. I understand this message is predominantly for believers and you may be here and the reality is you're not a believer and I haven't really dealt with that issue. The Bible says, that when I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and I confess with my mouth that God raised Him from the dead, I will be saved. This is not a believing in a confession that your parents can force upon you. It's not something a grandparent or someone else can do for you. It is a personal, intimate, profession, confession of faith. That I believe God loves me, that He sent His Son to die on a cross for me to take my punishment, but he rose out of that grave three days later that I could be completely forgiven by my faith in him as if I never sinned in the first place. And here's reality. If you have not made a, prefer, a personal confession of faith, the Spirit has not fallen upon you, which means you're wearing the wrong jersey and you're on the wrong team. You're lost. But God has brought you to this place because that is not what God wants for your life. He loves you too much for you to be lost. And His Spirit is crying out to you, convicting you maybe right at this moment that that needs to change. And I need to let it be known that I believe God loves me that much. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Ask Jackson to come on up. And if, if God has spoken to you in that way, that you need Jesus in your life, you've, you're not a child of God yet, you don't have that anointing, that seal of your salvation, then don't leave today. Get that... Get that taken care of. But maybe you're here this morning and God just kind of kicked you in the butt like he's been. See, you all have to deal with it like 30 minutes on Sunday morning. I have to deal with it from Monday to this morning and then that's why I just kind of go crazy. So God has been kicking my tail all week like, yeah, Mike, Pastor Mike. You've been doing a lot of stuff on your own, haven't you? Are we ready just to hand over everything we truly care about and love to God and His Spirit to do what only God and His Spirit can do in your life? So maybe you're here with your family or your spouse. Maybe you're here and someone is just weighing upon your heart at this moment. Would you be willing to come and just kneel before the Father 
and lift them up for the Spirit of God just to come upon them. However God's spoken to you, this time respond. We're going to sing a song called Holy Spirit Come, and that's our desire. Come, you're welcome here. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome in this church. You're welcome in my family. But just come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us this incredible gift that you are in us. You never leave us or forsake us. Dwelling inside of us. We gather in this place as your children with the Spirit of God just residing inside of us and residing over us in this power. Lord, forgive us when we've quenched it. Forgive us when we have not kept step with it. Forgive us when we've not been bearing fruit according to it. But Lord, we come this time just thank you so much for your forgiveness. You've forgiven us past, present, and future. Thank you for convicting us a moment that maybe we've been trying to do things on our own instead of just saying, God, you do what only you can do. So Lord, I ask you to just take complete control of my life. I want to be used for you in ways that I can't even fathom. complete control of my family. Wife, kids, they're yours. Take complete control of this church. This is your church. Promises the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. Lord, we come before you with our weaknesses and our battles and our sins and our filthy rags into the throne room of grace as your children asking forgiveness praising you because you have forgiven us Lord, I pray for the individual here who may not know you as your Lord as we ask for the Holy Spirit to come that your spirit would come upon them and they would not be able to stay where they are they would have to come down and say hey, they want Jesus in their life Father, let this song not just be words that we sing, but let it be our prayer. Your spirit would come because it is welcome here to have its way with us. Forgive me if I failed you in any time, any place. Thank you that your word does not come back void. Praise in your son's name.